All right. Welcome. Welcome to Know Your Roles, the entertainment podcast where we find unexpected connections across all types of topics. We talk sports, we talk film, television, music, literature, and more. And we talk to some really interesting people in the process. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Kleinman, and this is my co-host, Mr. George Payton Dexter Gordon Third. Take it away, George. Thank you, Dave. Dave, we've got uh, another fun one. We've got a uh, director, producer, filmmaker, and fellow Sex in the City enthusiast, Lauren Greenhall. And we're going to be talking about lead characters and breakup songs. But before we get to all that, how are you doing? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm doing all right, George. We've been doing this podcast for a while now. One of my favorite things about, especially about this this uh, first part is where I get to uh, introduce your, say your name. I don't know if it was like a conscious thing when I first started it, but but uh, certainly like has, has leaked in there that it's kind of a childhood fantasy to play basically Ray Clay, shout out, who was <laughs> PA announcer uh, of the Chicago Bulls during the Jordan era. And just two really quick things about, about Ray Clay and those introductions uh, that I loved is one, by the time he got to Jordan from North Carolina, 6-6 at guard, Michael Jordan. Well, by the time you got there, you could not hear, even on the television broadcast, you couldn't hear it. <laughs> you couldn't hear anything because the fans were going so nuts. And then I didn't even know for years uh, because the stadium was so loud that after he did that, there was still another part of the introductions. And <laughs> it's so funny because it switches from that high energy when he announces Jordan to Chicago Wolves are coached by Phil Jackson. <laughs> and like you never would he you never hear that shit. Uh, because the fans are going nuts and the lights are like coming on. So yeah, uh nostalgia. We love it here on the uh Know Your Rolls podcast. George, how are uh, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I uh, had myself uh, a weekend of uh, a weekend, a weekend of that was just kind of all over the place. I went to a wedding in a dry city in New Jersey. That's uh that's always fun. Did some stand-up, got to see some old friends like my buddy Dan Soder, that was kind of rad. Um, uh, shot some PSAs to urging people to get out the vote in Virginia, in particular uh, black men, and uh, going to my second indoor concert uh, in 17 months. So it's been a wild, wild week. That sounds wonderful, George. What What is the concert you're going to? I'm seeing Ron Gallo at uh, Brooklyn Made. I've never been to this venue, so it's in Bushwick. So it's going to be a $30 car ride home, <laughs> but it should be fun. <laughs> How does that work at the wedding? Like if <laughs> is if it's a dry county or whatever, like do you still can they still have alcohol at the wedding? Like well, how does that work? No alcohol at so the wedding. The, there was alcohol at the wedding. It was okay. a, it's a catered event. I was like having was at a hotel heart palpitations. Yeah, yeah. Like what? But the but the uh, the actual town is on a on an island. I guess it's like Oceanside is a dry town. So on your way to this island, there's like this, this long bridge and right it. Right before you get on that bridge, there's like a, a Walmart size like beer and liquor store before you get out there. Uh, they sprung out us on us on the way out there, but it was it was a lot of fun. Got to see two lovely people get married, and uh, as uh, this is a quick story, I was walking back to my uh, hotel. I thought I had enough uh, glasses of water, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna wake up and actually feel okay because I haven't had a drink in like an hour and a half. And there was this couple sitting outside my hotel smoking a cigarette, and I was like, you know, I could really use one of those cigarettes. And uh, I asked if I could bum a cigarette. I was like, hey, you should hang out with us. And I was like, all right, we've got Jaeger and we've got boozy cider and uh, boozy uh, seltzers. So when I thought I was going to bed at 12 and I'm staying up till 2.30 drinking with a, a couple I met outside smoking. So 
Shout out to that couple for having Jaeger uh, that, <laughs> in a dry town. It sounds very that se- that whole story is seems very on brand for. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very George Gordon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a branded George Gordon story. Uh, speaking of big occasions and celebrations, you guys, this is our fiftieth episode. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like we should have had something queued up, but you know, my, my face will have to do, (laughs) but, uh, this is 50th and, and we get to get to chat with the lovely Lauren Greenhall. So excited to be doing this with you guys. Yes. I think we're all all happy to still be doing this and, and have great people to talk to. That's for sure. All right, George, what do you say? We go to the bar. Yeah, let's open this bar. Uh, today on tap, we've got Shatner in Space, which is, I, I can't even say that without laughing. Um, uh, the new season of Kirby Enthusiasm, which premieres on HBO October 24th, and Get Back, which is this Beatles doc that is directed by Peter Jackson, which airs on November 26th. The trailer dropped yesterday. It's already got over a million views. Up first on tap, Shatner in Space, Dave. 90-year-old Shatner. He did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he went to space. Yeah, he sure did. You know, my first uh my first thought was like another rich white guy goes to space like I really don't give a shit. Like it's cool for him. Like he seems like a fine guy, but uh whatever. Uh unless you could round up like all the rich white guys and just like jettison them into space, but I don't think Shatner's like he's probably not in that that category anyway. Um, but what I appreciate is he gave an interview that I, I sent to y'all uh, on like Good Morning America or the Today Show or whatever. And I just love that. Like the very first thing he did was plug an album of his. Like he didn't even let them ask a question. He was just like, oh, also my like on my album, there's a song called something to the moon and that's what i was thinking of when i was in space at 90 years old uh so mm-hmm. yeah i can't even be mad i had a great great time watching just that interview i thought it was hysterical so uh george what how do you feel about it <laughs> uh it's, it's pretty amazing my only my only pushback to just anything is like i feel sorry for the guy who went to the air force academy and became like a fighter pilot then decided it was like you know what i'm gonna be i'm gonna go to nasa because I want to be on a space shuttle and then the trains for that. And then like, uh, he's going through all this training and he's going to training. It was like, are we going to go to space again? He's like, all right, cool. And I'm going to be the next one. It was like, no, actually 90 year old William Shatner is going to be the guy going to space, but we'll see how you're doing yeah. in a couple of years. That's the part that kind of cracks me up. It was like a guy who went through all that. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. He just stepped in, uh, cut the line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I wonder how many, how many young people, decided to study you know aeronautics and like go to nasa and and you know study all that and make it their life's work because of shows like star trek and people like james t kirk i just wonder and and so to me it it i'm with you dave i had that initial reaction but i feel it feels quite fitting that james t kirk got to go to space yeah sure he doesn't he's not hurting anybody (laughs) <laughs> we'll have to ask Will Smith's character from Independence Day whether or not that would have bothered him. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of that. Thought of that when you were talking about it earlier. <laughs> yes, I've been waiting yeah. for this my whole life. So he says, "What a sweet moment! Thank you for bringing that up. One of my favorite Absolutely. movies, George Absolutely. Gordon. Awesome. Um, all right, George. I know you literally just said this about 
two minutes ago, but my short-term memory is non-existent. So what is next on tap? <laughs> next on tap is uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I believe is season 11. Uh, yes. that, and that premieres on October 24th on HBO and all of HBO's platforms. I know their trailer dropped this week as well. Dave, I know you're a huge fan, uh, so I'm going to let you take it, take it over. Yeah, well, I'm always in the mood for some Curb. I'm so glad that he's still doing it. It's It feels like he could do it forever. Um, it's so funny because his writing's that, like, you know, you can see the beats coming, but it doesn't matter because there's such, a, like, a great formula, and he's so funny. Uh, I watched a trailer a couple times. Uh, John Hamm, John Hamm, Seth Rogen on this season. Um, some great JB Smoove moments as Leon, of course, as there always are. One of my favorite characters. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. It, I'm sure it's going to be good. The last couple of seasons were great. So, George, what do you think? You're, I know you're a fan as well. Uh, I, I, you know, oddly enough, I actually don't. I haven't watched that show in a few years, but I saw that uh, Cheryl Hines is. Uh, is in is going to be in the new season? Has she been in the past couple seasons? Yeah, like on and off. Like she's she's on for okay. an episode or so. Like because she comes in, you know, she has a relationship with Ted Danson. I don't know if you've seen those seasons. I um, think I, I think I kind of I think I kind of remember that. But uh, I love Cheryl Hines. She's a national treasure. Shout out Florida State alumnus. <laughs> so no, I'll be watching if she, as long as she's in a bunch because like what I remembered about the show early on was like she was like the perfect the perfect foil to him. So to not have yeah. have her, I think that's part of the reason why I stopped watching it. To not have her as his wife, uh, kind of bummed me out. But as if she's on it, then I'll I'll give it I'll give it a go. So, and maybe I'll maybe I'll go back and rewatch like or try to watch the uh, the, the show the episodes from a few years ago. I think you I think you might find some good stuff in there. There's there there some of those those last couple of seasons are pretty good. All right, moving on. What do we got? All right, and finally, our last thing on tap is Get Back, which is a new Beatles documentary directed by Peter Jackson, which comes out November 26th on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Mary Bess, you're Peter Jackson. Let's hear it. Peter Jackson. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, and as, uh, as I mentioned before, as of today, uh, the trailer dropped yesterday. It already has over a million views on uh, YouTube, so... It's, they talked about it's, uh, some footage that had been in a vault for 50 years. Uh, Dave, want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I guess I, I don't know like a ton about it. Uh, you know, I just watched the trailer as well, but it, it looks it's it's footage that has been locked, locked in a, a way in a vault from I'm sorry. What album do you I think it's let, it be. let it be? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the footage looks stunning and it's like inside access to them. I mean, there's one scene where like, you know, I, he's like, wait, you're filming, you're filming our conversations. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I'm always interested to see like, if it confirms some of the impressions I already have about like some of the different members, um, you know, so, so, or, or, uh, or changes my, my opinion. Um, I, so I'm, you know, when you get that like intimate look, uh, also, like what it was like to be like around the Beatles and stuff. Uh, shout out to my mom who went to a Beatles concert um, in the Detroit area in the 60s and has told me that she remembers basically nothing because you could hear nothing except screaming girls. <laughs> so, yeah, the Beatles. George, I know you're you're excited about it. It, it does look really good. Yeah, I think uh, what I'm hoping to see is some footage of like, this, 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 so let it be is her last album, which I think is number twelve. 
So I guess you get to see maybe some of the, the, the power dynamics between the four members and and that's just why they broke up. I mean, you get to see, all that's going to be all the all the warts and it's going to be on display. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And we already know that like that album was kind of a point of content. Like there's different versions of that mm-hmm. album like that, you know, that like after some of the members died, like Paul put out a different version of the album, you know, and like there's so so. Yeah, there's already a bunch of uh, interest around that period. So, yeah, should be really interesting. And it's like multi-epic. Yeah, I mean, there's there's Let It Be, there's Let It Be Naked, there's Let It Be like this, whatever. There's a bunch of other stuff. So, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I think that'll do it for Bar Talk. What do you say, George? We're all tapped yeah. out? We're all tapped out. Let's go talk to Lauren. I spent the last few hours watching a lot of your videos, so we got a lot of the ground to cover, but we want to first start off by congratulating you on finishing your first feature and all the projects that you're working on right now. Thank you. I can't believe, yeah, you've watched stuff. All right. Yikes. I'm glad you <laughs> let me be on the podcast. A lot of it. A lot of it. <laughs> we enjoyed We enjoyed thoroughly. <laughs> so as just mentioned on your website, Perfectly Good Moments, your first feature is in post. And uh, so that's what you're working on right now? Yeah. So the main things I'm working on right now are post for Perfectly Good Moment. We actually are starting with the editor next week. So like we're about to kick off post, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And a little scary, honestly, because it's like got to transfer my entire brain to the editor's brain, which will be like an interesting mind meld. So it's that. And then um, Zelda, which is the documentary I've been working on for now four years. So those are the two things that are taking up most of my time right now, which is good. But being in post for two things is a little crazy. I'm like ready for the next thing to film now. So. Yeah, well, that's interesting to have a couple of different things in the same stage. And you also have like a couple of shorts that are playing the festival circuit right now, right? Yeah. So because of pandemic, it's like kind of a backlog of things. So I have two things in the festival circle. Well, I have three things in the festival circuit, but two of them were made in like 2018. It just was like by the time they were done, it didn't really make sense to submit things during the pandemic because half the point of doing the festival is to get to like see how the audience responds to things and to meet other filmmakers and people in the industry so it was like we're just going to put it online why even submit so yeah it's been uh doing that now years later it's delayed gratification which is (laughs) yeah did you do any of the the online festival stuff or you kind of just waited the waited it out so there's a short I made during the pandemic called Fading Back In, which is a dance short. And I actually applied and we got into, it's very niche, the San Francisco Dance Film Festival. But when I reached out to be like, hey, we're excited to come, they basically were like, look, you're more than welcome to come, but we're doing everything virtually. Like all of the parties and the screenings and like, it's kind of, they basically said it's not worth coming to which I was sad about. I wanted the excuse to go visit people in San Francisco, but it's fine. So that one is the one that will be more virtual. So Zelda, you've been working on for four years. What drew you to telling the world this story about uh, about Zelda? So when I first started that documentary, it was going to be like a three-minute short about 
this Hasidic Jewish woman who had a controversial wig salon. That was the entire thing. I loved that she was somebody that took this idea of like, people think that women who wear wigs are very oppressed. And I was like, what happens if you take somebody who not only wears a wig, but it's like how they gain their empowerment and their identity. And they like, you know, she has this huge like glitterati following on Instagram. And I was like, oh, this would be such a fun person just to meet and do a short with. And then I kind of fell in love with her and she ruined my life. And here we are four years later. (laughs) She, uh, yeah, she basically revealed to me after the third time, and it was supposed to be the last time we filmed that she had just gotten divorced and she didn't think she believed in wearing the wig anymore. And it's, you know, completely how she makes a living. It's in her entire social circle. And when you're a Hasidic Jew saying you don't want to wear a wig is like, basically denouncing the religion. It's completely removing yourself from your entire community. So I went, "Uh uh-oh, this is interesting and just kind of been doing it ever since. That's such a, the Hasidic community is such a like well-defined and like, for lack of a better word, insular community that like, how did, did you find getting access difficult? Has that been like difficult doing this project over, over these years? It comes in waves. I feel like sometimes they're really excited to have me there. I think in large part because there was this documentary that came out called One of Us. And it was kind of this like very slickly produced piece that was like, let's find the five worst stories we can find about Hasidic Jewish people. That Do you either of you guys know this, this documentary? I don't know that specific documentary. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'll keep it short then. But basically the idea was they found four or the filmmakers found five different stories about Hasidic Jews that more or less were like trapped. And it shows all the most cliche versions of Hasidic Jewish stories. We know they're all completely brainwashed. The women's children are being taken away, you know, and the whole thing is kind of like a, what's the word like tragedy porn, but like these poor people. And so after that came out, these women were like, please film with us because None of us feel brainwashed and we want our stories told. And they're the same filmmakers that did a Jesus camp, if that gives you any reference for the types of films they made. So they're good producers. They knew the story they wanted to tell. They went in and they did it. And it's a huge part of the story that's missing. So. And uh, so you've gotten a couple of, of uh, great uh, backers for that, that project. Uh, Like, is it the New York Foundation for the Arts is supporting you? How, how did that kind of come about and, and how has that, that experience been? Oh, so I applied for that. Awesome. So, and you guys could apply with your podcasts, honestly. They're amazing. New York Foundation of the Arts. I got, this is a nerdy story, but whatever. I, um, I'm subscribed to like the Brooklyn Public Library newsletter and they said there was going to be, yeah, it's right. the best. Right? <laughs> yeah. Do you live by the library? I do. Yeah, we live by several libraries. the The main one and and a couple of the other ones. I'm very excited that uh, there's no more late fees. I know. I can't yeah. even believe yeah. it. Yeah, I used to live right by that library, which is when I the main one. Um, I lived in Prospect Heights for a while, but um, anyways, they basically were like, uh, "We're going to be doing a session about New York Foundation of the Arts." If anyone's interested, and I was like, "Why not?" And I went, and there were like five of us in there, and I applied and got it. So awesome. Yeah. It's not more glamorous story. It's like I applied and uh, <laughs> it's a really 
really intense application, but you know, it works. Yeah, but well, well, in the arts, uh, applications are like a, a dime a dozen, but you don't necessarily ever hear back. So that's always good to hear uh, applying for something and getting it. Like that's a good story to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's rare, but yeah, yeah all good. You know, in certain communities, New York City is just basically a small town. After watching so many of your your, your videos and your docuseries, it was like, we know a lot of the same people. Uh, Courtney McGinnis and Casey James Salango and uh, Zach Broussard and Christy Cellos. There's a lot of people who I recognize in like all your videos. Uh, Cleese Hawkins. <laughs> these are all pals of mine. I'm amazed that we've never met each other. It's kind of bizarre. You know, I feel like New York is so small and New York, like entertainment is even smaller. I bet we have like 400 mutual friends a hundred percent a hundred percent so when i was watching like a quarantine pageant which is excellent by the way uh i was like oh yeah i know that person i know that person i think i've been in that apartment uh what was it like to get all those flares people to work on that project oh it was a dream every single person that said yes i was shocked um just because it was like hey there's no money we're doing this fast this is the entire thing. What do you think? And yeah, to get all those people to say yes. And not only the actors, but also like I had an associate producer and like an editor, like we had all these people involved, like a motion graphics person. It was like this whole cast and crew of people that this, um, the idea happened like three weeks into the pandemic. And so it was a lot of like yeah, it was a lot of just bonding together and it was amazing to work with everybody. But it was also crazy because that was when everybody was still like deeply depressed and it was like, okay, every email might take four days or people might have to just like drop. Like a lot of people that were in it actually ended up dropping because they like knew people that died and like kind of couldn't handle the workload anymore, which made sense. And so I don't know, it was like a, yeah, it was an amazing experience. I saw you in an interview about uh, quarantine pageant uh, that kind of like got me thinking about even as before the pandemic, uh, as kind of like an indie filmmaker, can you speak to like, you know, the director as therapist in in a certain way, you know, because you're managing personalities and like, did that take, did did you feel like that was something you were kind of used to during when the pandemic hit or was it, this was like a whole new thing and now you're just trying to navigate, you know, keeping everyone sane as well? I think used to it to a certain degree, but it was really turned up because I think that everybody was just like, Oh, it's like trying to like put myself back in that headset, like where we all were in late March and April, 2020, where, yeah, it was a lot of converse, like a lot more conversations of like the diplomacy and talking through everybody's feelings, which I like doing. I mean, I love people. Um, so, but it did feel a little bit like, oh, I'm like trying to think of an example that wouldn't be like, super dramatic but I guess the examples were dramatic during that time because people really were like having people die and just being like I can't like one of the right there are two writers and one was like I don't know if I can do this anymore and it was just a lot more patience a lot of being like okay like give yourself two weeks and then if you really think you can't let's do it like I feel like that normal ebb and flow of people really like backing out and being like just kidding or being like it was kind of, sorry, I can feel myself rambling. It's kind of like two different things happened. One is that people either were like really um, 
in and out with it. Like they'd be really responsive. Then like you'd get nothing from them or it was people that this was like their only outlet. That wasn't just them looking at their feet and they wanted to talk all the time. They wanted to be texting about their role all the time, talking on the phone all the time, trying things all the time. And so it was like two very different energies that I was managing. Did you personally get any, like, did, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you did, but some satisfaction of like being able to, to just accomplish it during, uh, during everything. And the fact that it, it did, it was well-received and, and people seemed to get, get something out of it. And did that make you, I hope that, uh, did something for you. Oh yeah. I mean, it was a total distraction. So while it was happening, even though I'm speaking about like the ways that it was hard or it was like a little bit overwhelming, I was happy because like I love doing it. A and B, it was a total distraction from the hellhole that was happening outside. So it felt really good to be busy. I feel like it was crazy because it went from being really busy and really excited about it to then it kind of just, what happened was the day it premiered the day before was when George Floyd was murdered. So it went from like, we are all so excited. This is like this beautiful story of our whole community coming together and making this thing to like, not only are you not working on it, if you so much as touch it, like you at best look ignorant at worst look racist and crazy. So it was like everything just completely stopped. And it, that was like, that was utter whiplash. And so I also, because I went, you know, was fully distracting myself. And then it was like, oh, no, things are terrible. So Yeah, well, heart, very difficult to ride that uh, roller coaster of like so much happening and so much constantly changing, especially while we do have, while we did have idle hands. Um, I know that, you know, me and George, this podcast was a, was a very welcome respite from uh, the outside world for uh, many, many uh, of those days. Um, I'd love to talk. Sorry to break down the mood. No, no worries. Um, that, we we love to we love to get into the real the real stuff here. Um, but I'd love to talk to you about since you do a lot of different you work in a lot of different forms of uh, what your feelings are about working in documentary and also in narrative of like what you kind of take from each and bring to the other or or what you like more about one or the other. Oh, that's such a hard question. Oh. Cause I feel like they almost speak to very different. Uh, like I'm all, it's almost like my two different personalities or something. Cause I feel like when you're making something in narrative, it's like this huge team thing and everybody's like bringing their different expertise together. And you're like building this thing out of nowhere with your friends. And not that documentary isn't that, but I think documentary is way more about like, at least the way I do it, it's like trying to make myself as small as possible. So the other person just like is so open. And so it's like anything I can do to make that person comfortable. And it's just a different, like, yeah, it's like trying to remove myself versus the other one, which is trying to put myself in there as much as possible while also bringing in everybody else's voices too. I mean, I, I love them both. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, what do I bring from one to the other? It's like, it's all the same. I mean, it's a lot of the same people I work with in both actually, like my cinematographer, 
we're like this. And so it's like, he's the person that did, does my narrative stuff and the documentary stuff. But also now that I'm saying that, yeah, all the people I work with kind of with the crew, we do both now that I'm realizing that. Do you like to do this maybe more specific? Do you like uh, improving in narrative stuff or or are you very structured? Because, you know, as you were talking about Zelda, like, and, and just in general in documentary filmmaking, sometimes your subject tells you what your story is, you know, um, and it becomes something else once, you know, their life happens. Um, but when you're doing a narrative, it's, it's something that you, it comes from you. And so you're controlling it. Uh, do you still like to, to change things on the day or, or how, how does that work for you? Oh, I don't like changing things on the day at all. I'm not like that at all. I, I think with comedy, sometimes we'll do improv, but that's kind of like, oh, this thing kind of isn't working. So let's like play with it to get it to be something else or like, oh, they just like did this weird thing. And like, that thing is funnier than what was written. So let's like lean into the joke that that comedian or the actor brought in. But like, I generally come in, like, I'm pretty neurotic and I like to come in being like, here's my exact plan. And if something better happens, we'll throw it out the window. But I, oh yeah, I'm neurotic. It's like everything is shot listed to death. Like even for the quarantine pageant, it was like, I met with every actor before and we talked about the framing of every room they were going to do and how they were going to stand. And we went through every, like, nothing like, gets so down to the, to but also like, I have time scheduled in like for like, oh, do you want to try something? Or is there something we didn't do that you think would be fun? But even that is like scheduled. So it's like, how much of that is really improv? Like, I don't know. I'm not that fun, I guess. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being prepared. So as I've mentioned, and as Dave has mentioned, here on the Know Your Rose podcast, we do a lot of research. We watch, in all the, all, at least we try to watch all the videos that somebody's done and uh, read, a, read their books or listen to their music. And uh, I watched a bunch of your docuseries earlier today, I, I believe that you did for the New York Times. Is that correct? Is it New York Times or New, New York Post? New York yeah. Post. And the two that stick out in my mind are the two that are back to back. And that is the one, the American flag guy, and yes. uh, the two sisters who were uh, fashion designers. Uh, what was it like to work with those three people? Because they are very, very different. Oh my gosh. Well, the painter I'm in love with. Like, <laughs> I, I just think he is like, for everybody I ever work with, I don't need to like agree with your views, but I need to respect you. And like, I think he is, he is classic. My, um, my boss at the post literally sent me an article about him that was like three lines long. And I was like, we got to call this guy. Like, he's, Oh my God. Um, the question was, what was it like work working with the three of them? Yeah. Well, I've been mean, working with him and then working with the, the two sisters because like, honestly enough, because I was watching, like I watched some of your, your comedies and then I watched that next. And I thought that guy was a joke. I thought he was like, I thought he was like <laughs> really joking. And I like did my research like, Oh no, he's actually just like that. So and he yeah. said, he, he, with the smoking and the, I drink whiskey. I like girls. I was like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> he is somebody, I feel like there's two different types of documentary subjects generally for people that like, like being on camera mm -hmm. and he knows what he's doing, right? Like he knows the role. And a lot of that was me kind of getting out of my own way and saying things like 
saying things that I knew he wanted to be pushed, right? Like he, he wanted me to like mess with him. He wanted to be like, he knew what he was doing the whole time. Like he was like, do you mind if I smoke cigarettes? I was like, thank God. You know, like it was just like, let, let him be himself. And also like, that's what he's kind of known for is like he likes to ruffle feathers. So, so filming with him was very much like almost trying to kind of reel him back sometimes in a way, um, like when to push him, when to reel him back versus working with the Hasidic Jewish fashion designers. That one was really about like, how do I get them more comfortable? How do I get them to talk to me in a way that is like, oh, how do I describe that? What that interview was like, like they have to like tell me enough that I can explain the context to people, not in that world, but not so much that it's like an educational video. Cause like then people fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to get them to talk and they were, you know, at first a little nervous about how they were going to seem. And so kind of like, finding ways to reassure them that they are going to be taken care of and that I wasn't out to like get them. Not that they said anything particularly like, like that, but you can just tell when people are kind of editing themselves in the moment. And so it was kind of just like calming them down a little bit. So Lauren, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about this certain video that she did that I think I blacked out while watching, and that is the the peanut butter banana smoothie, uh, <laughs> which yeah, I watched I almost three times. Th- <laughs> 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 so uh, I I have this 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 weird fear. I'm not really sure if it's a fear, but I sometimes like uh, injuries to like fingers and toes really like freak me out. So when the guy said, I almost cut my finger i was like oh my gosh and he did he did and i was like oh that's perfect nothing's gonna happen and then he cuts his finger and i was like holy shit that just happened uh i watched that video a, a couple times and the second second and third time i found to be very funny but the first time i was like oh my gosh it's jarring so <laughs> when did you do that and i'm I, i'm on the corner that like i've gone full circle with it i love it now so oh my gosh that's so funny you guys really <laughs> did your research absolutely it's awesome oh my gosh i made that video um with my friend jacob salzberg oh my god how many years ago is that 2018 2019 and we made it for red hot video fun time do you guys remember that show yeah so we made it for red hot and um the guy who designed the fingers is will larson and he does a lot of stuff at mnm and, and yeah, we, um, we thought it was funny <laughs> and we made it and we screamed it red hot and people screamed and we went, yes. Yeah. I imagine you were, <laughs> you're going for those reactions. Cause if you weren't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely jarring. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm like going back memory lane, talking to you both. This is crazy. As whatever we can, uh, whenever we can do that, that's great. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit more about um, perfectly good moment because you know, that is, it, it is really exciting to finish uh, your first feature. And can you just talk about like the whole journey with that and how long, you know, I know Zelda has taken a long time, but, but is this also been like the gestation that was the gestation period, uh, like very long or did it come together quickly? No, it was actually relatively quick. So, um, the writer, her name's Amanda Stern. 
So she wrote it in kind of like a, how would I describe it? Like a pandemic feverish, like she wrote it in three days, this script. And she wrote it for a guy she met like one time. She's like, he's the actor. And she pitched it to him and he said, sure, but he's in a Broadway show. And he's like, so I have to be completely done with this by August 1st because I go back to rehearsals like a week later. So they, um, the colorist I always work with, and I love her to death, it's Emily Bailey. She knew the producers and when they were looking for a director, she reached out to me and was like, I want to recommend you. What do you think? And I read the script and I was like, well, they're never going to pick me. It's a psychological thriller drama. And everything else I've made is, you know, cutting off your finger while making a BuzzFeed style video or like quarantine pageant or like, you know, like I was just like, they'll never pick me, but whatever, <laughs> I'm going to apply. And I dated a guy when I was, so the script is about a couple in an age gap relationship. And I dated a guy with a similar age gap. And I was like, oh, I know this story. I know how this works. And I just, it's like, whatever, I'll apply. And then, yeah, they um, they offered it to me at the end of April and we filmed in July. Wow. Great. Yeah, so it's been quick. You know, you talked a little bit about this, but you're just starting the post-process or where exactly are you at and what's that been like? Yeah, so we're about to start the post-process. Yeah. Great. So right now it's a lot of being afraid of starting the post-process because then I have to look at my stuff and I've been warned by everybody that when you first look at your footage, you have a meltdown. It's what everybody says. It's like, it's just like a part of the process. Get ready. And every time people say that, I'm like, not me. And then it always happens to me. Like people said, after you film a feature, you're going to get really depressed after. And I was like, not me. I'll be fine. I'll just nap a little bit. And I got so depressed. So I'm sure I'll get sad again. Was it just just seeing the work or it was like, because I'm not in this world. So like anybody, anything that people tell me about it, I'm just like, whoa, that's that's crazy. So what was it? What was it like? I guess. I'd... Well, filming it was amazing. It's it's almost like coming mm -hmm. down from a drug high or something because you spend all this time for me. So we had, did two five day shoots. So it was five days and a weekend and five days. And it was a dreamland. Like, I mean, obviously there were days that were long and it was hard, but you know, I, I love directing and I got to be directing. And so I was like, it was like being in a dreamland and, you know, being in a fantasy world for 10 days. And then you're like back to paying bills and like grocery shopping. And so, you know, it's like the come down is a little bit hard. It's, um, I've been told it's kind of like musicians that come back from tour where it's like, oh, you're just like used to being in another reality. And all of a sudden it's like, everything stops. Yeah. So, so that's what, it, that's what that's about. Um, I haven't, I've been afraid to look at the footage until the editor sees it. Cause I know I'll just start picking it apart and making decisions on it that I shouldn't be making yet. So. Uh, I understand that process. I, I've have never done a feature, but even in shorts, it's like, you know, when you're, when you're actually in production and you're, go, go, go every day. And you're actually in the moment speaking to people and working with people and making decisions and doing this thing. And you finish that there's like a great sense of accomplishment. But then when you get the footage and start to sit down for posts, like, first of all, it's very isolated and there's not a lot of people there. <laughs> and 
now the work starts. <laughs> like there's no, like now it's the hard, hard stuff. And like, you actually like the decisions you make on set, like they're immediate and you just do them and then you move on. But the decisions in post, like you can just stew over forever. And, uh, I understand how, how like the come down is, is like quite, uh, cause you're also, you're not like, like I said, you're in a room, you're in a room, you're just in a room with another person now. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, I mean, I haven't started it yet, so I shouldn't over talk about it, but the thing that I'm most people are like, Oh, I could, I did that. And that's like what you're stuck with. And so you have to like figure it out, but yes. probably won't be that bad. But hey, finishing is incredible and post-process will be good eventually, like as you get rolling and, and that we're all, I think we're all very excited. That's, that's, uh, it's awesome accomplishment. So again, congratulations from all of us. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. I know I'm supposed to be like, oh, it was like <laughs> fine. I'm so humbled to have been there, but I'm like, it was the best. Like I loved it. <laughs> so. Well, I think that's a good place to go ahead and start our game. So Lauren here on the, the Know Your Rules podcast, what we do is we like to take two things that seemingly have nothing to do with each other, and we try to make comparisons to them. And for your episode, we're doing lead characters and breakup songs. And uh, I've got a bunch of great ones. I know Dave's got a bunch of great ones. We each do five. I'll start off first. Dave will go second. And you, as our distinguished guest, you're going to go last. And uh, my first breakup, uh, my first lead character is Amber Waves. My favorite movie of all time is Boogie Nights. And I think Amber Waves is probably the, the more important part of the story than Dirk Diggler. It's a little school of thought of there. But I, I, but I enjoy Julianne Moore's performance in that movie. And she's a drug addict that is uh, trying to get her kid back. And that's part of her story. And uh, Jack Horner calls her the, the, the baddest bitch in, in, in the industry. So the breakup song that I have for her is I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor because Amber Waves will survive. Awesome. Dave. Well done. Um, <laughs> I, I might I might also have something that's surviving, but that's not till later. Um, my, my first one is a character that uh, made a big impression on me when I was like 13 or 14 and first saw this movie, but then like my relationship with him and the, uh, I still really appreciate the movie, but my relationship with the character uh, certainly change over the years and that's Benjamin Braddock and that's Dustin Hoffman's character from The Graduate and if you don't know that was like a big role for him because he was like kind of a character actor before that and that was like one of his first lead roles and it was a huge movie Mike Nichols um, and he he became like a, a star then but he was like 30 and he was playing like a 20 year old or like a 22 year old um, and uh Again, like I said, it's a it's a character that I identified with when I was like a teenager, but now see as like pretty immature and ridiculous, which is why as a breakup song, it's actually I'm going to say it's a whole album. And that's Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan, which is also another like, uh, you know, petulant white guy being like, nah, you know, <laughs> which is like the same as I feel about the graduate character, although I still love blood on the tracks is an amazing album it's about like their break his breakup with his his ex-wife and uh it's rough and it'll help you get through some things but uh yeah benjamin braddock is the blood on the tracks for me i'm so impressed by your explanations i my explanations are not to your guys's level but that's okay you have a lot more practice. we've been doing this a while 
Yeah, okay. you've been doing so this a while. <laughs> I said that You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette is like Fleabag of Fleabag because <laughs> she's like this, ang- it's angry brunette energy that's like perverted and like likes that it's perverted. <laughs> and that was all I had to say about that. Awesome. Both awesome, uh, awesome things. George. All right. So for my next character is uh, somebody who I think is going to live forever. And uh, whether it's being played by Sean Connery, Roger Moore, George Lazenby, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig, James Bond is going to live forever. Even if he dies in this last movie, spoiler alert, the character does die in this last movie. There will be another James Bond movie, another person playing James Bond. Which is why the breakup song that I have for him is a song that is going to live forever. Even though it is a breakup song, anybody that's going to be graduating from high school from now until the end of eternity will hear this song. And that is Boys to Men's End of the Road. So James Bond is the end of the road of breakup songs. Dave. Awesome. Uh, George, George Lazenby, shout out. Um, yeah, yeah. That one is good. One that one's done. good, man. Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, all right. So my next character is one of my favorite characters of one of my favorite movies and it's also it's a breakup movie basically and the character is clementine i believe krasinski from eternal sunshine and spot of the spotless mind of course played by kate winslet that movie is like a fever dream and she is really incredible in it and you know it's about like losing memories and and like the main the the other lead jim carrey is like his characters like he wanted to get rid of her memories and erase her from his brain also the script of eternal sunshine and spotless mind written by charlie kaufman is pretty incredible which is all why this it's a this is song is also really well written and that's list of people parentheses to try and forget about by tame impala (laughs) um which also like if you listen to that song and you picture eternal sunshine it it really fits well because he has like that very dreamy gondry-ish uh type vibe to him um and yeah same concept as uh eternal sunshine trying to to forget about someone which i think every human being can relate to so yeah Clementine Krasinski is the list of people to try and forget about. That's a good one. Wow. Okay. I have, um, I have three different ones for Carrie Bradshaw (laughs) from sex in the city. So, because the thing about Carrie is she's the ultimate anti-hero and she's very whiny. And each of the relationships are kind of different different ways that she is whiny and dealing with men, sometimes good, sometimes bad. So I have one song for each of her relationships. So I said, um, we are never, ever, ever getting back together is her and Berger. I don't know if you guys watched the show. Thousand percent. Ron Livingston. Uh, Come on, let's go. (laughs) He's so good. at it. I miss him. What happened to him? Uh, Ron Levinson, I think, is still on a, is on like one of those NCIS shows. He's 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 okay. He's doing all right. <laughs> we gotta we gotta do something about that because we gotta bring him back. He's the everyman of of our time. And then um, "Falling" by Alicia Keys, Carrie and Big, because they're always 
she's like tormented, but like loves that she keeps going back to him. And it's this very like disgusting, dirty, horny, sad thing that they both are into, which to me, I don't know if Alicia Keys is is specifically about being horny, but there is this like sultry level to it. So I'm projecting a little bit. Um, And then the last one is It's Too Late by Carol King is her and Aiden. Cause it's like, that song is like, he's like a good guy. And she just like, can't, she can't get herself to do it. And just like Carol King is a great woman. So solid, so pure. That's my Lauren, favorite. off the top rope, all great answers. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I got to follow that. All right. So for my third one is, uh, this is a, this is a strange one. This is a uh, Pedro the Pacas. Now, for those you know who Pedro the Pacas is, who is Pedro the Pacas? That is Cheech Marin's character in Up in Smoke. Now, Comedy duos are just like any other duo. They're going to eventually break up. Whether it's Laurel and Hardy, whether it's Martin Lewis, or it's Pryor and Wilder, they eventually break up, which is why Pedro the Pacas is the you-can-go-your-own-way of breakup songs. Just like, hey, it's one of us. Never, We're not going to be together anymore. So Pedro the Pacas is you-can-go-your-own-way by Fleetwood Mac. Awesome. Dave. Um we were looking at a similar list of breakup songs, I believe, George, but but we have different comparisons, so that, that's great. Um, all right, oh, I love I love that song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of the all time great songs. I'm gonna talk okay. a little bit more about it later. Um, but uh, uh, my next character is from a show that I don't even really watch, but I know the character, and she it was very popular. And the character's name is Allison Dubois, and you might know her as the Medium. Um, played by Patricia Arquette, of course, uh, which is a show, like I said, it it did get canceled, but it ran for like seven seasons. Um, and it was a show that like my dad liked. You know what I mean? I remember my dad being like, you know, it's not so bad. It's pretty good. She's great. Um, and I'm sure, and she is great. I love Patricia Arquette. And she plays a medium, a clairvoyant. She can see like crimes coming or whatever, which is why as a as a breakup song it's a song with the lyrics don't speak i know just what you're thinking which of course is don't speak by no doubt gwen stefani um and of course that song is uh kind of twofold it's about her breakup with the bassist tony and it's also about her breakup like with her brother basically who left the band because they were getting too popular because they were featuring her (laughs) shocker um so yeah, Alison Dubois is the don't speak of breakup songs. Patricia Arquette. What's that show that she's in that Ben Stiller directed? The Escape Escape from Danamara. Oh yeah, she's so good in that. She's like almost unrecognizable. Oh, she's so good. I don't know how they made her ugly, but they did it. And yeah. She's so good. Okay. She's great. Ugh. All right. So I first I was looking at the same list you guys were too. I want you to know. And I kind of think differently. Well, at first I started with who is Don Draper? And I wanted to think of a Sinatra song because aesthetically they're very similar. Um, you know, with the cigars and with the 50s. And but then when I really thought about who is he in his soul, with all the brooding and all the partying and the drinking and all the longing and no one ever loves him. I think he is any breakup song or any song really by Lana Del Rey. I think Don Draper is the Lana Del Rey. Of yeah. Uh, 
very strong and stoic, stoic outwardly, but actually an emotional mess. Oh, he's pure baby. Yeah, he's always. Yeah. I had to stop watching because I was like, "Oh, we get it, another woman." <laughs> it's just like, try something else, Don. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> George. So uh, I don't know sure what list you guys are talking about. I had like a list of five that I already had in my head and a couple of them I've already mentioned and one I'm about to mention right now. Now, I usually try to be clever with all these answers. The number four pick on this one isn't very clever. It's just something that I like. And the, the, the character that I have is Esther Hoffman Howard. And who is Esther Hoffman Howard? That is Barbra Streisand's character from the 1976 A Star is Born. Now, anybody who's ever seen that movie with Chris Christopherson, it's not a great movie. But... It gets kind of reborn 30 years later by Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart because the video is, in essence, 1976's A Star is Born. So Esther Hoffman Howard is a, a, the Unbreak My Heart of Breakup Song. Awesome. Only because, because of the music video. <laughs> it's a great song. Um, all right. My fourth one is one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite characters. And that's Jackie Brown, played by Pam Greer in uh, the Tarantino movie. It's her, it's her, it was like her big comeback. And she kind of like got a bunch of like action roles and some a resurgence after that, you know, after she had been very popular in like the seventies and eighties. And this, the role is even a hearkening back to those roles, which is why as a song, it's a song that has already been mentioned. And that's, I will survive because Pam Greer and Jackie Brown will survive. Also, one of the very rare, rare, rare occurrences where I believe that the movie is better than the book. I almost never say that, and I love Elmore Leonard, the writer of the book, but the movie's better. Yeah. The better. Hot take. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, we, we've, got, we've got a few of them. <laughs> um, all right. All right. So I was thinking about... Um, the most underrated comedy of the past 20 years, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And the lead character is Peter Bretter, who is played by Jason Siegel. Right? Yeah. Okay. Very funny. And at the beginning of the movie, I did the assignment a little bit wrong. I'm realizing now, but it's okay. Um, at the beginning of the movie, he is nothing compares to you. But he's so sad and pathetic. But then by the end, it's since you've been gone, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> so he does the full, I'm sad about you, now get out cycle. That's his character journey. Nice. Yeah. All right, George, you. All right. So my final one, I always try to stick to landing, and this is my ta-da moment. And... Uh, it's, it's, it really depends on what camp that you're in, but this person is always running as far as like greatest actor of all time, and that is Paul Newman. So when I think of Paul Newman movies, I got to think of my favorite Paul Newman character, and that is Luke Jackson from Cool Hand Luke. Now, seeing that that is the greatest Paul Newman character, I got to throw in the greatest breakup song, and it's not Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. It's just the Miracles, and that's the tracks of my tears. So Luke Jackson, being the greatest Paul Newman character, we're going to give him the greatest breakup song. The miracles, the tracks of my tears. Dave. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> great. That's a great, uh, great song. Um, all right. So my last one, I'm going with a character that love him or hate him. He's one of the 
in my opinion, goat characters and one of the most complex characters of all time. And that's Walter White. To me, he's just complicated as fuck. He's an anti-hero and you hate him, but you also kind of like him. And, you know, it goes it goes up and down. Um, but that's why as a song, he is a goat breakup song of all time. That's already been mentioned, but that's you can go your own way <laughs> uh, by Fleetwood Mac. And he did go his own way. And also, like, part of the reason is because the Fleetwood Mac, like, love triangle and, like, it it's so it breaks my brain thinking about it how like they all had relationships with each other like Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks and like they broke up for people in the band and like they still had to sing these songs that were specifically about that like together like that that shit is crazy to me <laughs> um so yeah that Walter White is you can go your own way it's my last one after the podcast we should talk about the song exploder about that song because it's amazing where it's like okay. just Lindsay Buckingham talking about writing wow. that song and what it, oh no, it's so good. Wow. Um, my, my final one, purely because the title made me laugh, um, is when I was thinking about the lead character of Squid Game, because I'm a follower and I'm also obsessed with that show right now, is um, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger by Kelly Clarkson. Awesome. So that's that's my final. That's very very fitting for for Squid Squid Game, and we uh we like we like people when people are topical. <laughs> <laughs> so Lauren, we did it. Uh, this was a tremendous. Before we get into what we're going to talk about, when the cameras are and the recording device is off, because we got there's a couple of things I want to ask you, as far as like just TV shows and stuff like and uh, podcasts and whatnot. Plug something for us. And then we get into some, some, some real stuff. Plug something. Okay. Um, okay. It comes out Friday, right? Okay. So, um, so fading back in my short, it's playing at San Francisco Dance Film Festival on Sunday night. You can watch it online at Marquee TV. So that's my plug. Awesome. And how are you? So you, you're still, I guess, a, a ways away from uh, any movement on Perfectly Good Moment, but uh, how can we kind of follow along with that and, and just uh, your socials and everything? Sure. So there is a Instagram for the film. Let me look it up so the producers don't make fun of me. Uh, let's see. It is, yeah, Perfectly Good Moment movie on Instagram. It's, uh, we couldn't find updates on that. And hopefully, you know, if uh, everything works out, I'm kind of joking, but not really. It'll premiere at Sundance next year. So 2022, which. <laughs> well, we'll be we'll be having our fingers crossed and looking forward to that uh, regardless. So thank you so much uh, for coming on. We had a, I think we all had a blast. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. Again, thank you so much to Lauren Greenhall. Definitely follow her work at laurengreenhall.com. Learn more about her feature that she's in post-production on, Perfectly Good Moment, at perfectlygoodmoment.com. You can watch Breakup Baby on Vimeo and Fading Back In on Marquee TV. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We, you know, we talked about Miss Quarantine Paget about like the project like uh, executing the project and everything, but we didn't talk about like what it was that much. Like, 
and it's it, it's very funny george you watched that whole thing didn't you i did yeah i'm uh we need to have lauren back that's how that's how fun that was <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome so, folks, as you know, here at the uh, Know Your Rose podcast, we do comparisons, and it's usually me, Dave, and a guest, but we want to hear from you guys. So send your comparisons, lead characters, and breakup songs to our Instagram and Twitter account at KYRPod. Sweet. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Now we're going to go ahead and move into Last Call, where we talk about stuff we're looking forward to and stuff we got coming up. George, what's going on? Well, Dave, the two best words in sports is Game 7. Now, the second two best words in sports is game five, winner take all. <laughs> there isn't a game seven in the NLDS. It's just like there's going to be a game game five. So in tonight's game is, uh, as we air, we will know who's going to be playing. The last four teams playing with a chance to go to the World Series. And it's Webb versus Jurius. Game five, 23 versus 11-3. Webb is 6-0 and at home. Can't wait. Giants and Dodgers. That's going to be the night. Another good weekend of sports. We got Kentucky at Georgia, number 11 versus number one. Between the hedges, y'all, going to be checking that out. And on Sunday, I'll be watching Chargers versus Ravens. Two very, very fun quarterbacks to watch, Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson. Two guys who know how to spin it. Dave, what are you looking forward to? All right. Well, the first thing I'm looking forward to is uh, something I feel like I've been looking forward to for like two years now because it's been like pushed back and, and everything, but it's finally coming out. And that's the French dispatch. Of course, the Wes Anderson movie is coming out October 22nd. And I just, of course it's like the, uh, the cast of characters we're like used to seeing in Wes Anderson movies, but, and a couple of, you know, new, new faces maybe, but I just want to read to you like the cast list really quick. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton, Adrian Brody, Leah Seydoux, Benicio Del Toro, Francis McDormand, Owen Wilson, Jeffrey Wright, Sorcia Ronan, Matthew Almerich, Elizabeth Moss, Jason Schwartzman, Willem Dafoe, Christoph Waltz, Edward Norton, Henry Winkler, Bob Balaban, Liev Schreiber, Angelica Houston. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stop, but there's some more people. Uh, Griffin Dunn. It's like, there's, there's more people. It's like the last waltz the of Wes Anderson yeah. movies. Yeah, so I'm I'm very excited about that. A couple other things you mentioned, uh, sports ball, but a couple of things you you didn't actually mention that I'm excited to about, which is the WNBA finals is tied one to one right now, Sky versus the Mercury. Um, that's also a best of five, which is exciting. And those teams are like pretty. It's been back and forth. I mean, the first game the Sky kind of whooped ass, but. The second game was back and forth. Man, Diana Taurasi, she's like the, one of the best basketball players in the history of time. She's incredible. Yeah, and then uh, the NBA season is starting off, and and hope springs eternal. And my Chicago Bulls are looking a lot better than I personally expected them to be. So, yes, excited. All right. Now we're going to go ahead and check in with our favorite regular producer, Mary Bess, for MB's booth. What do you got for us? Thanks, you guys. So in the booth today, I want to talk about the IATSE strike, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. As many of our listeners may know, 60,000 film and television workers are set to go on a nationwide strike at 12.01 a.m. on October 18th, unless their demands for fair wages, reasonable working hours, and better conditions are met by the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, otherwise known as the AMPTP. 
the strike has been brewing for quite some time now. And I know that many of us in the Know Your Roles community have been watching it unfold, whether we've worked on film sets, if you are a filmmaker like Dave, if you're in the comedy community like George, um, you know, whether or not you're in this community or you have friends in this community or you're sympathetic to workers who are putting their livelihoods and their sweat and tears and all of their energy on the line. Um, and these are very reasonable demands and they've been a long time coming. Um, so I think we're all hopeful that the AMPTP will meet these demands and that a strike won't be necessary. However, there's a lot of support behind these folks. There's a lot of support in the community. And I want to open it up and just get your thoughts on this, Dave and George. Thank you, Mary Bess. Um, yeah, I personally am not in IATSE or or a union, um, but I do have friend, friends in, in IATSE and, and certainly some experience on film and television sets. And it's awesome what they're doing. You know, it's, it, I mean, it sucks that the conditions are are the way that they are so that they have to do this but like just to authorize a strike and you saw something like i think 98 percent of members authorize a strike you know so it's not some small contingent and i can just share just a little bit like with people i somewhat fresh out of college new to new york i worked in in production for a few years i think a lot of people have a still have an idea of like it's a glamorous lifestyle. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a line, it's actually called a line <laughs> and you're either above it or below it. And if, and the, there's a very huge gap, if you're above it, you know, a certain, like, a in, in a management position or like it, the act, a cast or directors and stuff, you have, you get treated very differently and your working conditions are very differently from the people that are below the line. And, you know, ha, as someone who has worked like 16, 17, 18 hour days as like a fresh face kid, and you know, you don't know that that's, you just do it. You just are like, yeah, this is, and, and that people tell you like, this is how it is. Like, this is the job. Uh, you know, so you just kind of do it, but it's really awesome. Yeah. It's like, like so many things, uh, especially in the entertainment industry, it's like, you're told that this is how it is. And it's kind of amazing. And I don't know if you guys have ever, have ever, you know, if you've thought about this before, but I find myself these days thinking a lot about the time that we're living in and how incredibly interesting and powerful of a time we are in right now, it's of course challenging, it's stressful, and it's heartbreaking at times. But post pandemic, like human beings are coming to a place where we decide collectively the way things are doesn't have to be. And we get to demand that we treat each other better. We get to demand that we be treated better for the work that we're putting in and that human beings be looked at on an equal standing, uh, you know, this ties into so many different facets of our livelihoods and the fights that are ongoing for human rights and better working conditions. But just looking at this one topic, I, for one, am in awe of the incredible heart and the power behind the people right now, which is, is pretty incredible. So I was doing a little bit of research. Uh, well said, too, by the way. I was doing a little bit of research because I was trying to figure out what the studios were saying because they seem to be digging in their heels. Now, have you guys heard anything from their end? Because I know what's coming out on the other side. 
when when you get to something like Netflix or like an Amazon or even like Sundance Film Festival, like those are corporations. And so like, well, there may be like some good uh, currents running through them, like and some stuff gets put on that like needs a platform and, and, and that's good. And we want that. And certainly as like indie filmmakers, like I would jump at the chance to get something on Netflix, uh, of course, but as like a corporate structure, it's still like, it's not, it's set up for profit. It's set up for profit and Netflix directly, this, this, these conditions are directly part in a deal that Netflix negotiated when they were first starting into production so that they could work people longer and pay people less pretending that they were like an indie startup um you know so so like we have to like those studios those entities has to be held to account as far as that goes um what i will say though just like to echo your point a little bit mary best is that like it is awesome to see people like taking the power back and stuff because i think one thing that a lot of people and also myself in the last like couple years realized that like labor power is like the only power we have and also is like the most powerful thing ever like if in any industry ever if we just said hey we're not gonna work today we're not gonna go (laughs) we're not gonna do it i mean i know i'm simplifying that but like that is how labor movements get started and labor movements are like the way you know so it's so awesome that iatsi is you know has the fortitude to do this and like the members are like let's we need better conditions so yeah, we support we support you. Yeah, I want to thank you both for your thoughts on this. I know this was a this is a little longer booth today, but I think it's very much worth it, especially since I know I know we're all in support of better conditions, better wages, and better care for the people who are working these 16, 18, 24 hour days sometimes. So uh, for our listeners out there, if you want to learn more about the strike and how you can support these workers, go to iatse.net, and that is I-A-T-S-E dot N-E-T, and follow iatse, I-A-T-S-E, and I-A underscore stories on social media. And on another note today, we want to end on something light and fun And in case you didn't already know, I just want to let our listeners know that you can join myself and Dave Kleinman in person at Chilo's in uh, the Greenwood area of Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday nights, where I will be hosting trivia at 8 p.m., weather permitting. So come on out. If you're in Brooklyn and you want to come out to Chilo's, please come join us on a Wednesday night at eight o'clock for trivia. And if you go to the bar and you mention Know Your Roles, you might get a free shot from uh, the Dave Kleinman behind the bar. Um, I will give the same response I give whenever you say my name during trivia, like introduce me. I go, whoa. Whoa. So so don't um, be alarmed. If you mention know your roles, you might get wooed, but you might also get a free shot. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, I love that. I, I whenever I would bartend trivia, I would just do the and our bartender, George Gordon, I just did the one clock. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. It's it's the slate. You're yeah. you're you're slating for the yeah, evening. Yeah. <laughs> that, friends, is a uh is a film and television uh little little nugget for those who didn't already know. Uh, so, so thank you for your time tonight, guys. Thanks for visiting me in my booth. I'm going to go back to my drink. Awesome.
All right, George, why don't you tell our listeners what we got going on on our next show? Uh, next show is going to be October 29th. It's going to be a Halloween-themed show in which our guest is going to be rock journalist, editor, radio, TV producer, talent booker, and one of my favorite drinkers just to talk music with, and that is uh, Catherine Terman. And we're going to be talking about rock bands and Halloween costumes. Can't wait. Awesome. Sounds great. All right. We're going to go ahead and close out this show. I want to go ahead and thank all of our listeners. Thank you very much to George. Thank you to producer Mary Bess. Thank you to our designer, Amanda Zeller and Alan Takid, Nate 88 and Kazo Oslo for doing our theme song. Please rate review and subscribe to know your roles wherever you get your podcasts and please take care and support labor movements and drink more water i've been saying that uh sparingly the last few weeks but drink more water i need to be drinking more water and uh have your vaccination card ready when you go into bars thank you we appreciate you if you do we're out you know the road of the